Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, first, I'm going to start up by getting with to uh, the Carmelo Anthony news. He is now a Portland Trailblazer. It's been over a year since Melo's played in the NBA. What are my thoughts on the signing? How does it affect both sides, all that? I want to get my thoughts on that signing. And then Thursday Night Football. Of course, I'm going to get to Thursday Night Football. Mostly the Miles Garrett. Wow, that was crazy. That's one of the worst things to ever see on a sports field. Of course, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to break down the game a little bit. For the most part, we're going to get to those suspensions. Of course, of course, you all knew I was going to get to that and the metal sign. Those are the two big things. That's what we're getting to today. Those are the two hot sports topics right now. But first, I'm going to get to the Carmelo Anthony signing. So let's get to that. Who wasn't excited when we heard Carmelo Anthony was back in the NBA? It's been over a year. A week ago, everyone, you know, obviously over the summer, first of all, we heard Carmelo Anthony going to ESPN. It was always being talked about. But ever since then, I feel like these past, you know, past month or two, no one had really talked about Melo. It was kind of like once the NBA season, really once the NBA season started, everyone kind of forgot about him. He got left in the dust. Then all of a sudden, it was like this, it happened like this. Once we all heard, you know, on social media, we all saw, oh, it's been one year since Melo played in the NBA. That, it caught people's attention. And I think it caught teams' attention, too. Like, oh, I forgot about this guy. So struggling teams all of a sudden, like the Trailblazers, who a lot of people have said Portland you know, could be a top destination. I, You know, we've all heard the Brooklyn Nets, uh, maybe even Denver, places like that. But we all heard the Trailblazers as well. A lot of people think that would be a good fit. Damon CJ, the two stars in Portland, are were always on board for having Melo on the team. They've wanted him since forever on that team. A lot of people, but the Trailblazers, just because the fits there, a lot of people believe all that. And then the Blazers got off to that. They've got off to a very slow 4-8 and eight start. Outside of Dame and Anthony Simons, Simmons, I think it's Simons. I knew who he is. The Trailblazers love him. Uh, but outside of those two, everybody else has struggled. Obviously, CJ's played well. It's just he hasn't he actually... Yeah, he's played well. It's just not as well as he should be, as he usually does, if that makes any sense. But they've also dealt with injuries. Zach Collins has been hurt. Rodney Hood's missed some time so far, and they're four and eight. You know, the Trailblazers were interested back in 2017. All of a sudden, now they're off to a slow start. They're dealing with some injuries. Let's make a move. That's what they said. It's a non-guaranteed deal. Again, it's exactly like the Dwight Howard deal. I think Carmelo Anthony also owes Dwight Howard a thank you. Because I think Dwight Howard this season, all of a sudden, getting that non-guaranteed deal, both players kind of aware that this might be their last chance. They both get this non-guaranteed deal. You know, Dwight Howard got it first. Again, two players in a similar situation. Both players, former superstars that were in denial, and now all of a sudden, um, you know, they get the kind of this last chance. Like, now you're on a non-guaranteed deal. If you mess up this chance, if you blow it up, you're probably not getting another chance in the league. You're probably not going to get another chance. So... Dwight Howard's been really good so far this season, especially defensively on the boards. Gave him a little scoring as well, and he's accepted his role. And I think that set up this opportunity really for Melo. Uh, Again, two players in similar situations. Uh, Dwight Howard so far has done well in his situation, so maybe the Trailblazers are like, we're struggling right now. He wouldn't be a bad fit here. It's been just over a year since he's played, but that kind of refreshed. Like Once we heard that, we were like, oh yeah, Melo, maybe that's an option. 
they had to make a move. They're four and eight right now. They're thirteenth in the West, I believe. And yeah, they are. And I mean, it's just it's it, ooh, it's not looking too good in Portland right now. And I know it's early in the season, but this is a tight West, and the Trailblazers are not considered one of those top five teams that are going to make it. Like right now, we all know the Lakers, the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Clippers are making the playoffs. Those last three spots are going to be tough to get. Those are all going to go to teams over five hundred. Uh, so the Trailblazers right now are sitting at four and eight. That's three thirty-three win percentage. So they need to figure some things out. So they're going to go ahead and make this move and hope that Melo can spark something. Hope that it can go the way it went with Dwight Howard. So according to um, this, also he's going to get paid fourteen thousand four hundred ninety dollars for each day he's on the Blazers. That is so much money. Like some players get more than that. Imagine like four, almost fifteen thousand dollars a day. Wow, that's just play basketball. I mean, I know it's hard work, but so he earns $14,490 a day, but he's on a non-guaranteed contract. So the contract becomes fully guaranteed on January 7th if he's not waived before January 7th. So if he's waived on January 6th or from now to January 6th, he doesn't get any money at all. He totally just played and didn't even get a dime. And the same thing with uh, Dwight Howard. I think his is January 7th as well. It's right around that time. But for Melo, I mean, this is big. You can't blow this opportunity. Dwight Howard's doing good in it so far. You can't blow it either. And that means throughout the stretch, too. Like, if all of a sudden, after January 7th, you start acting up, it's clear, oh, you know, once this guy gets paid, he's just going to, you know, start, you know, complaining, get a little too comfortable. He's got to go this whole year with minimal complaining. He's got to – he can't blow this opportunity. I think it makes sense for both sides. For Melo, it's obviously a win. Uh, no doubt he gets he gets to play. It's been a goal of his for a while. For the Trailblazers, I think this is a good move. You're four and eight. It feels like you've you had to throw something at the wall, and this was the best opportunity. Am I the biggest Melo's gonna thrive in the NBA type of guy? No. But I think with what Dwight what's going on with Dwight Howard has made me a little more confident in this actually working out. I don't know if it's going to work out or not. I really don't. I hope it does. I think it will for at least a month. Uh, but Melo, again, all he's really... He just needs to not only keep his mouth shut, but just score on a decent efficiency. Because if he keeps his mouth shut, that's great. But if all of a sudden he's scoring 10 points a game on 28% from the field or 30% from the field, you know, something bad like that, I hope that doesn't happen. And that I don't think it will. But, you know, he shot... You know, these last few seasons with OKC and um, Houston, he's shooting a tad over 40% from the field. I doubt it'll tip that much. But if all of a sudden, yeah, again, like 10 points per game on 35% from the field, they're going to be like, listen, it, those efficiencies got to go up. He's just going to go to Portland, I think, and he's just got to be a good – he's just got to keep his mouth shut, be a good mentor, and just play whatever role they need him to play. Mostly that's probably going to be – be a scorer, an efficient scorer off the bench, or maybe you'll get a few starting minutes and be a spot-up shooter that can space the floor and just stuff like that. I don't think they're going to ask for much more than just scoring from him. That's all he's really going to have to focus on, I think. And he scored 13.4 uh, points per game last season with Houston. That was in just over 30 minutes a game. Again, I think he'll get a few starting minutes here and there. I, I do, and when he's in the starting lineup, I think he's just got to be a spot-up shooter off the bench. I think he could be just a nice a little efficient bench scorer for them. And I think he's going to be able to put up double-digit points per game. 
I do. I believe that. And obviously, he's 35 years old now. The numbers are dipping. But he just needs to play whatever role he's assigned. It's the same thing as Dwight Howard. You know what's going on with Dwight Howard? Uh, Carmelo Anthony's in the same exact position. Will he thrive in it? Again, I think if Dwight Howard, I think Dwight Howard's really set up Carmelo Anthony because you see, again, I say it again. Two players in the same exact position. Dwight Howard so far has thrived in it. They're going to give uh, Carmelo Anthony that same opportunity, that same non-guaranteed contract. And he's just got to keep, you know, this is his last chance right here. If he doesn't do well in this, if he's cut in three weeks, uh, then he's probably never going to get to play in the NBA again. He's 35 years old. Uh, Carmelo Anthony might only play for two more seasons and then call it quits for good and just say, you know what, I fought my way back in, you know, to play two more years. He Here's the thing with Melo, though. I know everyone says, well, it's not a huge win for Melo considering he wants a ring. You're not going to win a, win, a, win a ring in Portland. But I say this, he just needs to find his way in the league. He may be 35 years old. I know the clock's ticking, but he may have two, three years left in the tank. If he can just play out this year with Portland, prove to NBA teams, I can keep my mouth shut. I, you're obviously good enough, but I can, you know, play a positive role and for an organization. He gets through this year. He can go resign. He can go sign anywhere he wants next year. And I doubt every title contender is going to have interest in Melo, but one will, especially maybe the Lakers. You know, that's a team with LeBron that is a contender, and they, um, they, you know, that's the Banana Boat Crew. So I think that. One title contender, at least, will want him next year. This is just setting himself up again. The only real thing that is missing from Melo's resume is that NBA title. He doesn't need to come back and, you know, score 12, you know, 6, 17, 18 points, not 12 points per game, like 18 points per game at 35 years old after not playing for over a year to prove to us that he's a Hall of Famer. Just, he's just missing that. NBA championship this year is going to set him up for next year and the year after that he just needs to get his way back in the NBA because right now he wasn't going to go get that opportunity to play for a title contender if one team had interest in him he was going to have to take that opportunity and prove it to us and then he can go resign anywhere he wants maybe he decides to stay in Portland but really Melo just needs the NBA title he's not going to get his title he's just not going to get that in Portland but he just needs to get through this year successfully and then he can make that you know, transition over to a title contender that is my take on the Camarillo Anthony situation again anchor mobile app Colin anything you want to talk about this mellow situation Miles Garrett situation anything is on the table anything you want to talk about uh so next we're going to get to Thursday night football uh it was a doozy so let's get to that Thursday night football <clears throat> was an ugly ugly win for the Cleveland Browns the Browns kept their playoff hopes alive. Baker Mayfield had a good game. But it was a very, very ugly win. And one that almost felt like a loss for the Cleveland Browns. If it weren't for nasty headshots to Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson, and of course, to top it all off, one of the worst things we've ever seen on a sports field, Miles Garrett nearly killing Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. This would have gone down as a good win for the Cleveland Browns. Arguably Baker Mayfield's best game of the year. But instead, we're left here talking about one of the worst things any of us have witnessed on a sports field. But I'll break down the game a little bit before we get to the madness. 
The game started off. Baker Mayfield looked very good. He made some really good throws, especially downfield. He had OBJ. He was down at the one, then Baker punched it himself. Uh, he had that good. He had a few good throws, especially that one to Hodge, Kadero Hodge, that forty-one yard strike. Uh, he also had uh, the touchdown pass to Jarvis Landry, which I probably could have thrown, but it was a good play design. And then he had that one later in the game. I think Baker Mayfield overall was good. 17 for 32, 193 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think he was phenomenal. One of those touchdown passes was really easy. The other one, you know, his receiver made a pretty good catch. It wasn't the best of throws. And he threw for just over 50%, which isn't horrible, but it could be a little better. I know he took a lot of shots downfield. Didn't even uh, throw for 200 yards either. And threw the ball 32 times. So I think he could have been. I think he could have been a little better. I think his day was highlighted with a lot of good throws. There were he didn't really make any bad ones. It was just a lot of deep, you know, deep balls he was throwing. He was good in this game. Don't get me wrong. He didn't wow me or anything. He was good though. Mason Rudolph on the other hand, boy, he's bad. He's bad. Oh, he's no good. They threw it 44 times, 23 completions, 221 yards, a touchdown, four picks. I know one of those was garbage time, but another one really sealed the game. He had two to Schobert, one to Morgan Burnett. Both of those two were very good in that game. Uh, And then you had the one to uh, whoever. That was garbage time. Uh, But he was just no good. He really wasn't. Uh, I don't think he can really play at the next level. This is a check down quarterback, and he's out here throwing four picks. Uh, he he can't get it done at the next level, I don't think. But then we have the suspensions. Okay. So, Demarius Randall, I think, could get a one-game suspension. I don't think he will. Doesn't sound like it. I wouldn't be too mad if he does. But really just to Miles Garrett, everything from that incident. Miles Garrett should be at least suspended, suspended for eight games, potentially ten. Eight to ten. Eight or ten to me. Eight or ten. Uh, just because I think it's got to stretch into next season. He's going to be suspended for at least six games this year. If the Browns actually do make the playoffs, those tack on. I, if the Browns make the playoffs, I don't think that counts for a seventh and eighth game. Like, let's say he gets a 10-game suspension uh, and the Browns make it to the playoffs and move, you know play two games. I don't think that counts for eight games, if you get what I mean. Like... It's gonna, it's gonna, the playoff games don't count. He still misses them, but he's going to have to, he's missing the rest of the season. He's suspended indefinitely. But I think it's going to also be he misses two to four more games next season. It's gonna have to stretch. You have to send a message. Miles Garrett was always a player I'd respect for. I loved his talent. I know he had, you know, he, you know, shoved his hand into Laney Walker's face. Uh, he's not the best guy ever, I mean, clearly. But before Thursday night, did you ever think Miles Garrett was a bad dude? No, I didn't think he's the nicest guy in the world, but I didn't think he was a horrible guy. He made a mistake, a big mistake. And a ton, I lost a ton of respect for him, for what he did. Uh, and it just should never have gone to that level. He put a little extra on the tackle. I mean, you're up. By two touchdowns with eight seconds left. The game's over. They just throw a little check down. And you absolutely go out and give... That was extra. I think he instigated. People say Mason Rudolph instigated it. I think he did. Miles Garrett... It was both, actually. Because I see where you're coming from. The fact that 
Mason Rudolph actually tried taking Miles Garrett helmet off before. If you see, he just couldn't when they were on the ground. But Miles Garrett definitely put extra on that tackle. He put a little extra on it, and it was in garbage time. And then right after that, Mason Rudolph tries taking off his helmet. So Miles Garrett's like, you know what? I'm gonna do that to you. If Mason Rudolph did something else and just tried like shoving him, that wouldn't have happened. It would have just been a little scrum at the end of the game. No one even gets ejected, suspended, any of that. And then we would move on. We wouldn't be here right now. I'd just be breaking down the game. But no one cares really about the game. A lot of this reflects on the coach, Freddie Kitchens. He's not he's not a good coach at all. Before the Bills game, he should have been fired. I don't think the Browns will fire him because they're on a two-game winning streak and you don't fire your coach. This is just a horrible time to fire the coach. It's it's not a bad one just after what happened, but it, you're on a two-game winning streak. Your playoff hopes are slim, but they're still there. This is probably your best stretch of football. It's just not a great time to fire him. If they lose the next game, I could see them firing him. But once they're out of playoff contention, because right now I just don't think they're going to do that. But it, it reflects a lot. They reflect their coach. Their coach, he there's no discipline there in Cleveland. They're taking headshots at players and celebrating after. There's no discipline whatsoever. I think it also reflects a little bit on the quarterback as well. Baker's kind of always been a dirty player. Uh, but just kind of like that guy. Sorry for all the squeaking. Uh, but I, I think it's kind of just a reflection off the quarterback and especially the coach. You can't fire the quarterback. I don't think they're letting Baker Mayfield go. He struggled this year, but Freddie Kitchens, though, I think as soon as they're out of playoff contention, I'd fire him. If I'm the owner, I'm going to say, you know what, it would make sense, but this is just a bad, bad time. So let's not add fire to the fuel. Fire to the fire, I guess you could say. And you know what, I know he probably should, but we've won two games in a row. It's just a bad time. Bad, bad timing, in my opinion. It just, what are you thinking? Why would you do, why would you take off his helmet? If he takes off, if he took off Mason Rudolph's helmet and threw it, I think that's at least a few games. But then he takes a swing. If he hit Mason Rudolph good enough, he could have either killed him or at least just ended his football career. But luckily he didn't do much damage. I mean, clearly Mason Rudolph's okay. He was fine right after that. Like, it barely nicked him really in the head. He didn't make very good contact, but still. I think the outcome shouldn't play a factor, really, but it will. If Miles Garrett killed him, uh, killed Mason Rudolph or ended his career, Miles Garrett may never see the football field again, or he may have got a year suspension or something really, really bad, and potentially even jail time. This shouldn't go to jail time or anything like that. Uh, but the outcome for the fact that he really didn't do any damage will play a factor. And it's going to... He's extremely lucky he didn't hit Mason Rudolph. And he's extremely lucky Mason Rudolph's not going to take this, you know, outside of football, you know, take this and, you know, press charges against him. So Miles Garrett's lucky. He is. And Baker Mayfield doesn't stand up for Miles Garrett. I know him and Mason Rule for friends. But I think if I'm Baker Mayfield, it's not really – he actually kind of made sense. Like, it's not the right thing to do. That's a hard thing to defend even if it is your teammate. But the, also, Marquise Pouncey got three games. That's ridiculous. I know he kicked Miles Garrett in the head. 
But he, it was one of those situations where Miles Garrett had just done one of the most indespicable acts we've ever seen on a football field. So I think Marquise Pouncey deserves a game or two, but if I'm Marquise Pouncey right now, I don't regret what I've done. And I'm just a little disgruntled by the fact that I'm getting three games when I should really only get two or one. Marquise Pouncey stood up for his teammate who just almost got killed by that was just you already know what happened. I don't even want to explain it. And then his teammate, I just Miles Garrett, deserved it. He got what he deserved. A big hefty suspension and kicks to the head. He had a helmet on. So if he didn't have a helmet on, you know, three games, maybe even more. But he did. Okay. And what he just did was unacceptable. And Marquise Pouncey stood up for his teammate. I'm okay with what Marquise Pouncey did in in a way. He stood up for his teammate in a time where what Miles Garrett just did was far worse than giving little kicks to the like, no. Three games, I would have done two or one. And then Larry Ogunjin, Ogunjobi, uh, he's actually a pretty good player. I just don't know how to pronounce his last name. One game I think's fair, shoves Mason Rudolph there. It wasn't really anything significant, just gets one game. Mason Rudolph is where things get controversial. Should he have got a suspension? Because many people think he instigated it. I think he somewhat instigated it uh, because I think Miles Garrett put extra on the tackle, but if Mason Rudolph had to take off his helmet. I think if Mason Rudolph got one game, Max, that's my thing. I think it's okay. I'm like 50-50. Half of me thinks he should have got one game. Half of me thinks he should have got no suspension. I'm okay with him getting no suspension, and I'm okay with him getting one game. I'm okay if he doesn't get suspended, but he gets a little bit of a fine. Something along those lines. Something small. Somewhere between he gets no suspension, no fine. I think he should at least get a small fine. A small fine. Or he could have just got like a one-game suspension. I think the very max is a small fine and a one-game suspension. But that's the very max. I, I Very, very, very max. To me, if I were the commissioner, I'd just give him a small fine and let him go. That's what I would have done. A small, small fine. Like, I don't know how, you know, how much. Because, um, I don't know. Like, somewhere, you know, in no no more than 100K or 80K. Something like, like no more than that. Like, just some small, small, like 15K or 10, like 5K maybe even, like. Just like a little tiny small fine. That's what I would have done. Because I think he deserves just a little bit. And everyone wants to cover up Mason Rudolph because he was the victim in this scenario. Where he really wasn't. He was in a way an instigator. So I think he just deserves a small fine for that. But we can argue Miles Garrett was. It's tough to tell because Miles Garrett did put a little extra on the tackle. But Mason Rudolph tried taking his helmet off. So that's about 5 to 10k in my opinion. For a fine. 5 to 10k for Mason Rudolph right there. Uh, and that's what I would have done if I were the commissioner. Less games for Pouncey, 8 to 10. 8 or 10 for Miles Garrett. Ogunjobi, I'm fine with one, and a small fine for Mason Rudolph. That This was despicable. This goes up there with uh, events like the Malice at the Palace, which was horrible as well. And this was just bad. It's just a, it's a sour look for the Cleveland Browns. Could have been looked at as, oh, the Browns keep their playoff hopes live, have a decent game. Baker Mayfield looked good and said, it's one of the worst wins, ugliest wins you'll ever see. And overall, the Browns played a good game. They forced four turnovers. They almost forced five. Baker Mayfield, one of his best games of the year. Game-wise, they played a good game. 
but it was just ugly in the fact that they had to take shots at people's heads before, and then the Mason uh, Miles Garrett thing just topped it all off. They are just an undisciplined team. As soon as they're out of playoff contention, Freddie Kitchens has got to go. Something's got to change in Cleveland. They are just a dirty, dirty team. I lost a ton of respect for Miles Garrett. I have no respect for Freddie Kitchens and the way he's coaching this football team. Uh, it's just getting ugly in Cleveland. Uh, and that's going to wrap up today's episode, a very short episode today. Uh, again, I've just been busy lately. Uh, I want to try to get again like a little more into college football and whatnot. Hopefully, I can get my rankings out after this week. Uh, that is upon us ends. Uh, but anyway, again, go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase no spaces, podcast for podcast updates and sports content. The sports content's good, good edits, good content. I suggest you follow. We're closing in on the five. We're trying to get 500 followers soon. My goal is 600 to 650 by the end of the year. That was my goal, but uh, we need some followers soon if we want to hit that goal. But uh, anyway, again, thank you guys for listening. Anchor Mobile App. Go call in to After the Buzzer Sports Talk. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.